Hello and welcome. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. On the way, Nikesh Patel talks to us about his role as the leading man in Rose Malafeo's original series, Starstruck. Catherine Kelly joins me live in the studio to discuss series two of ITV's drama, Innocent. And speaking of drama, Julie Hesmanholt chats to us about the brand new BBC crime drama, The Pact. And Aaron Pierre is live at the top of the tower, chatting about his brand new Amazon series, The Underground Railroad. But first, here's Maria. Hey, I've just noticed something different about you. Yes. It's not double terry toweling. No. The bouffant has gone, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Yes. I uh, I got my hair cut. I felt like Joe and Little Women when I went to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Except, yeah, my hair was grey and rank and no one was making it into a wig. But I did feel like when I left the barbers, I felt, I felt like people were going to stop me in the street. Uh, <laughs> Yes, it is an improvement. I mean, I liked the experiment as far as it went. It's nice to know there's hair in there. Yeah, but when your hair starts to have its own, you know, moons and orbits, <laughs> I think it's time to get it cut. It was, was quite boofy. Yeah. Yes, it was. No, it looks very super, super slick now. I'm ready for you to go to Eurovision. Oh, yes, yes. Eurovision next week. Well, you know, fingers crossed, you know. Yeah. Well, in the, you know, who knows what's going to happen. It's happening. But have... um, the in the British contingent, they're over there now. Hooray for them. They have flown, they've rehearsed, all sorts. And uh, the bookies odds are in, 100 to 1. Oh, Graham, it's so depressing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's hard. It could to... be worse. It's hard for you because you know before you go that you're going to have to do commiserations and putting arms around people. And well, happily, that. yeah, that's a great thing. I mean, Corona, there are some perks. <laughs> There's no there's no meeting everyone in the bar after the show. You just slope off to bed. Oh, poor thing. I mean, you know, yeah. they're rehearsing and it's you get excited and you think, yeah, maybe this time, maybe I could be the one to break this lock. And maybe, you know, and one year somebody will. Like France, who haven't won since 1970-something, they do terribly. They, I mean, they do so... They do just like ours. Yeah. This year, Bookie's favourite, they're going to win. Oh, they've got a good song. Oh, voila, so, voila, voila. It's so good. Oh, it's great. It's, it's like the man is in the room singing to me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Can great. you sing the British song? Embers. There you go. <laughs> That, no, that, that, not quite so good. That, I, no, because I do a thing now where, because, uh, <laughs> well, because I learnt from experience that you never want to be on the plane with the UK entry coming home. <laughs> so I always book a different flight because I've had to sit next to them once or twice and oh. it's a long journey. Oh. It's a long, quiet journey. But, you know, you can employ all your agony uncle skills. <laughs> yeah, but it's hours. You have to check in. You have to... <laughs> How do you find out which flight they're on? Do I you... ask. Oh, my God. I ask. When are they flying? I love the fact that over the years you have learned these things. You learned from the wonderful Terry Wogan not to have a drink until record seven. Nine. Nine, 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 nine sorry. Have you kept up that? Yes, I have. But, of course, the trouble is when Terry made that rule, there were only about 14 countries. <laughs> Now there's 40. <laughs> so song nine is probably a little early to be, to be having my drink. I have to say um, hello to Jerry, who came to service my boiler. Oh, yes. In the week. Not a euphemism. No. Um, and he told me that him and his wife have come over with us from the last place. <gasps> Welcome, Jerry. Yeah. Welcome. I love it when people say that. That makes, that makes me feel joy in my very soul. Well, what's nice is it means they're not listening by accident. Yes, the, they've the, deliberately found us. I mean, that's, it seems incredible as we speak now that someone's choosing to listen to this. <laughs> but, but it's nice that people have. I know, and I was saying to Jerry, oh, I'm glad that you're listening. He said, yes, I'm quite looking forward to seeing your collection of bowls. And I thought, oh, dear, <laughs> we do talk about a lot of nonsense. <laughs> no mention of my ramekins. <laughs> no mention of your ramekins. No, but it's nice. Welcome, Jerry, and his good lady wife. Um, the other thing that puts fear into your soul, and indeed did my soul the very morning, I just looked up onto the monitor and thought I was on the telly there, but I'm not. No. Um, <laughs> was a bus replacement on oh. the train. But aren't all the trains, all the trains are broken, aren't they? <laughs> Probably. Think, yeah, there's a kind of a national trains are broken. Are there? Yeah, they've got cracks or something. I, I remember. Oh, no, that's just on one line and one particular type of train. Oh, no, no, behind you, they're shaking their heads. They're not, going, no. Not there's... all trains are broken. Well, a lot of them, Maria. <laughs> well, mine was. And yeah, you were on a bus, so don't, don't come to me about what and trains are broken. And that was broken as well. <laughs> that found it very difficult to get up a hill. Oh, no, your bike. 
No, 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 on the on the bus. Oh, you know those buses, oh the bus those, was broken. They, I think they use buses that have been put out to sea <laughs> for the for the rail passengers. <laughs> so this, this will do. I was thinking, oh dear, it's too early for me to get out and push this bus. <laughs> But I will, just to get to see Graham Norton oh, at Virgin Radio. So and his new haircut. Uh, did you watch the Brits this week? I did. I thought it was very good. I loved Ollie Alexander and Elton John. You've got to love Elton John. He stays current by just muscling in on other people's acts of yeah. younger. But also, that was great arrangement of that song. Oh, it was really brilliant. Well staged, and money is going for charity, so it's yeah. all very good. I thought it was excellent. You know, I did think, you're too old to watch the Brits, Maria. Don't watch it. But then I enjoyed it. So what are you going to do? Well, I thought too old to watch the Brits. I must say, I did not know, apart from Youngblood, I didn't know a single nominee for Best Male Artist. Okay. Did you? Um, yes. Who won? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Who uh, won? It wasn't Youngblood. No, I can't remember. It was Young Huss. Uh, or no, was it Young Huss? No, Jay Huss. Jay Huss. Jay Huss. Well, I was really just looking at the girls, you know, the women who were winning, which was marvellous. Yes. Making a break. Do a Lipa. We had, you know, little mix with a band. Like a maternity ward. They were adorable, weren't they? It was like, it was, it was like Call the Midwife goes to the Oscars. They've gorgeous. been doing too much little mixing. That's what <laughs> they've, they've really been have. doing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, uh, organise yourself. Find some letters. Virgin Radio. Amazing. I'm I'm full of sugar now because we've just wolfed yeah, me too. down. I've, I've just wolfed that last yeah, bit yeah. down. We're spiced date and almond buns, courtesy of Waitrose, the Levantine table range. Uh, delicious, oh, aren't they? Oh, so, so delicious and moist um, and still in my mouth. Yeah. I, but... did, I did that really horrible thing. I just ate the middle. Oh! Because <laughs> that's the best bit. <laughs> did your mum tell you off for that when you were younger? Oh, she'd have slapped me around the back of the legs with a wooden spoon if I'd done that. Rhoda, he needs some assistance now. I'm an adult. I'm not eating my crusts. <laughs> All right, let's have a problem, please. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, I am in my third year of university and currently on a 20-week virtual work placement at a marketing agency. You following that? Just. It was advertised as an unpaid internship, yet in the middle of March, my boss told me I was now a junior marketer and she would start to pay me. I ended up working with two clients, giving up my weekends and working 15-hour days. Yet I've never received any money. This is despite the fact that she sent me an email stating that I would be paid from the start of April. Next week, I'll finally meet my boss as she wants to have farewell drinks. Shall I bring up the money or have I missed my chance? And that's from Kaylee in Cardiff. Kelly and Cardiff, I think you need to bring it up before you meet your boss for drinks. I think there must be a... Don't stop laughing, Graham. There must be a human resources or an accounts department. And all you do is find out the email of that and you just ping them the email uh, from your boss stating we will be paying you from the beginning of April and saying, oh, um, I just thought you might need to be reminded of this as I'm leaving next week and there's six weeks that I haven't been paid for. Uh, so, you know, you're not dealing with your boss. She's probably just overlooked sending it to the right person who's going to pay. And also there's a lag time often with pay, isn't there? Yes. You just want to know that it's going through the system before yes. you leave because you're just starting on your work. There's an awful lot of unpaid internships, which I don't really approve of, if I'm honest with you. So start as you mean to go on, Kaylee and Cardiff, and, you know, be tough and do not be fearful. If they were, it's funny that they kept you on and said that you're now a junior marketer and she would start to pay you, and yet they are now letting you go. Uh, well, it's a twenty week. It was she's in her third year of university. Oh, I see. Weren't you listening to your own? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it was too. It she's was... going back to university, yeah. so it was a twenty week internship. So That's you... now over. But my point you is, if they it. weren't, if they weren't going to pay her, you wouldn't invite her to farewell drinks. You wouldn't say, "Oh, I'd love to meet you to tell you that we." We're not going to pay you and we've ripped you off. Yeah. Um, so I think the boss is confident that this money is winding its way through the system. And also, because it's marketing, maybe it's to do... Maybe some of the money is commission and stuff. So that will take longer because you need to get the money from the clients and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, but what, here's the big thing, Kaylee. 
ask. Open your gob and say something. Yeah, but is she asking the boss, which might be awkward at drinks? Doesn't matter. Is... No, don't ask at drinks. No, no, no. Exactly. So I would just, I would just say, get in a time machine and go back and ask Shh. ages ago because Shush. this is just stupid. She's got the email. You've got the email where she says we will start paying you from the beginning of April. Yeah. Send it to the payment department saying I'm just checking this is going through because I'm leaving next week and um, you know the money would be good. Yeah. And I mean, then I, they can yeah. deal with it because obviously boss lady. Um, doesn't deal with the payments. So I think go to the right department, Kaylee, and then have drinks, you know, nicely with the boss and prove to her what a gorgeous person you are and... Uh, and don't how, get very drunk and vomit on your shoes. How capable you yeah. are and that maybe when you leave university, there's a job for you. Um, so, you know, don't sully the water there. Is but what isn't I would it say. odd that Kaylee's obviously very good and, like, marketing is a hard, tough business to Awful. be in. Awful, uh, But Kaylee enjoys it. Uh, and she's clearly very good because the boss took her from unpaid intern to, well, possibly unpaid, uh, actual full employee. Um, so she's obviously very good and yet didn't have the gumption or the confidence to say, oh, uh, that money you mentioned, it never arrived. So just say, Kaylee, because nobody minds. They're in business. You know, in, in normal life, nobody wants to talk about money. But you're in business. This is what they all do. No one's there because they enjoy it. They're all there because someone's paying them to be there. So open your mouth and say something. Oh, but who to, Graham? Not the boss. Well... I think initially you could pop in an email to the boss. If you clearly she's got a good relationship with the boss because the boss promoted her and is taking her out for farewell drinks, right. which is very nice. So put it in an email before you go for drinks. Oh, definitely before drinks. Drinks, it's not the uh, time. But what if boss then ignores email and before drinks? What do you do then? No, oh, just go back to university. <laughs> No, I think if she does ignore your email... Go work at a trampoline park. That's if, my advice. If she does ignore your email, then be brave and start as you mean to go on in business and oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. 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 Graham, Graham is high on sugar now. He's bouncing off the walls. What did you think? Talk to your uni placement department. Oh, that's a good idea. You're likely to have someone allocated to you who's there to support you. They will help you strategize for how to approach your placement company. Good luck. Isn't that sensible advice? You can tell Maria and I never really engaged in third-level education. <laughs> That's really good advice. Spikes in Stevenage. What a great name, Spike. Uh, email the finance department asking if the money is going through, but also copy her boss into the email. That way, neither her boss or finance will want to look like they are fobbing her off and they should ensure she gets paid. Again... A very good idea. Um, Jacob and Huddersfield fully agree with Maria that she should bring this up with accounts. But just in case this rambles on past your last day at the company, I would recommend you forward the original email to your personal account so you have some evidence if, you, if required. Oh, Jacob, I'm sure she's covered. She'll be covered with that. Uh, definitely done that. Uh, James is in Enfield. She should ask her boss... Um, whether she should send her national insurance number to HR as payment hasn't come through yet. Simple. Don't go behind her back. May need a job or reference when she graduates. James at Enfield, you are very clever. These are all, This advice is so good. I was thinking no one will have any interest in this problem for Kayleigh and Cardiff. But this advice is really practical and good. So what's that? She should ask her boss whether she should send her national insurance number. That's very good. Uh, Sarah in Teddington, send the reply to the boss's email offering to pay her. Uh, be really polite and say, I'm really grateful for this. And as I'm leaving, I'd like to know when I'll be paid. I hope you don't mind me asking. Best wishes. Blah, blah, blah. Sarah, yeah, I don't think she actually means you to put blah, blah, blah at the end of the email. Often people take offence if you end emails with blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's not really business-like. Viver, Viver in Hampshire. Email the payroll department asking them to confer on your final salary payment and whether this will come on your P45. Um, I think... Because I'm giving away Levantine Table Classic Baklava Selection, which looks delicious. It's a sweet treat made with crisp phyllo pastry soaked in sticky syrup and crunchy chopped nuts. Oh, that's got you going. Um, I'm going to send that to... Uh, I'm going to send it to Spike in Stevenage, who had the idea of emailing the finance department and uh, her boss as well. I think that that is the best advice. Graham's Guide. Another problem, please, Maria. Another bun, please, Graham. <laughs> that record wasn't quite long enough. Can I have a bun, please? <laughs> Another 
bun. <laughs> that was an elephant asking for a bun. Yes, Can I, I saw bun, Graham was putting his arm out in the manner of a, I wouldn't give up your day job to go into impressions, frankly. Zoological impressions. Now Graham is going to be an elephant. Can I have a bun, please? <laughs> Quite funny, though. Quite funny voice for Elephant. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm in an Oscar-winning animated film! <laughs> you are! If anyone's listening, Graham's very good at Elephant. Right, here's yeah, the second okay, problem. OK, here we go. Okay. Dear Graham and Maria, me and my girlfriend have been living apart since the start of the first lockdown. She had to move back in with her mum to act as a carer, and because of work, it wasn't possible for me to move in with them. We'd been together for two and a half years at that point. We didn't spend Christmas together because of the Tier 4 restrictions and have barely seen each other this year. And now I'm not sure I love her anymore. <laughs> is it because of the strain as what is effectively a distance relationship and we haven't been physical in over 12 months? Um, is it worth investing in patching things up as restrictions ease? Or am I better putting my energy into a new relationship? And that is from Ashley James in Kent. Ashley James in Kent, you've gone from, you know, 10 to zero in a very short space of time. Um, you're giving up, Ashley James in Kent, on something that, you know, was lovely. You were together for two and a half years. And also, it, what were things like between you in February 2020 before we shut down and life was trucking on? Were you in love then? It just seems to me a little callous. And I know you're saying 12 months without any physical contact, etc. But come on, you know, we've all been in the same boat and I feel you're not giving this a chance. Am I better putting my energy into a new relationship? That makes me a bit cross because you haven't done with this one yet. You've got to, It could well be that when you when things open up, it could be like the first time again. It could be a new and refreshed relationship. But I think you've already mentally yeah. moved on. And I would say because there's someone else you like the look of. Well, whatever. I think this is done. But, Ashley, it's got to be done. You know, you knowing it's over doesn't help anyone else understand that. So, and I do think it seems very unfair to end a relationship in this way. I mean, I know your girlfriend, in, in your, in, I think in Ashley's head what's happened is the girlfriend has went off a year ago and hasn't come back. So he's thinking, oh, well, I'll just move yeah, on. but there's phone no, no, calls. No, no, and, and also she was doing something very serious. She was being a carer for her mom, And, you know, so, of course, the world had to change. Now, I think if you're married or you're deep into a relationship, then you can roll with these punches. I think maybe after two and a half years, maybe they hadn't been living together that long. Maybe they'd just been together two and a half years. I think... You know, distance can make the heart grow fonder, but it also make the heart grow cold, where you just forget. You just forget. And Ashley's now living a life that doesn't have a girlfriend in it. And he's thinking, and when I do get a girlfriend, I don't think it'll be that one I used to have. I think it'll be a shiny new one. It seems very callous. There's well, something about this that seems very callous. I and, think it's young. And I think they're young people. Dismissive and like you throw somebody away. You have to... <clears throat> I think you just have to give this a chance when you when things open up again. No, he's moved on. He or she. I don't even know if it's a he or she. Uh, has, I, you know, you have to talk to your partner of two and a half years and say... Um, Do you I, miss me? <laughs> yeah, because I don't miss you. I mean, it, I wonder, have they had that conversation? It, it, I mean, I, I wonder what they have talked about. I mean, because those sorts of things, that could also be part of his realising this isn't it, because... I don't maybe, miss this person. And also, maybe their phone conversations are really terrible and, just, what's you know, actually, the thing that I did enjoy was the physical, in, you know, companionship of this uh, person. But without that, I'm not sure there's much there. Physical companionship. Well, I can't remember what he said. Oh, yes. 12 months without physical contact. I yeah, think, or yeah, something, yeah. which we know what he means anyway. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, actually, you have to do things nicely, and by your by the way your letter is worded, it feels to me like you're just asking for permission to go see ya. <laughs> 
and that's not good. <laughs> and you're not going to see them. <laughs> no, that's not good yeah. in, on any level. And somebody will do that to you at some point, and you will realise how horrible it is. You have, you owe this person um, a meet up, a chat, maybe some physical, and <laughs> <laughs> and see how you feel after that. Because it might be that you reignite your passion, unless you've got someone in mind, which I think is the thing. Uh, you've set your sights elsewhere. I think he's got many new people in mind. Um, <laughs> That's my feeling. I do, I've taken a gin, Ashley. Well, I kind of get it. You know, they're young. They're young. They're in a relationship. He doesn't say how old they are. Well, because they've been... Uh, well, uh, her mother's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> my so, mother's still alive and I'm not still, young. My mother's still alive. <laughs> well, there you so go. They're in, <laughs> it could be people of our age. <laughs> it's unlikely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I, you're psychic, yeah, Graham I, I think they're young and I think this relationship probably wasn't going to last anyway. That's my feeling. And here's the thing, Ashley. Uh, dumping someone, there is no good way to dump someone. But you have to try your very hardest to do it the best way possible. You've been with somebody for two and a half years. You owe them some respect. Yeah, but they're going to hate you anyway, so... The, yeah. the, the <laughs> fact that you've written to us before you've spoken to this person is just bad. Well, no, I think he wants permission. And I'm giving it to him. No, I'm not giving it to you. I'm saying grow up, even uh, if you're 60. <laughs> have you got advice for Ashley in Kent? Let's see what you thought. Uh, Jay is in Croydon. You're asking a question that you already know the answer to. Uh, you're seeking approval because it's a rather cold act. Be honest. Get on with it. And be respectful. I mean, you know what, Jay? That's, in the bottom line, that's all you can do, isn't it? If it's over, it's over. You can't stay in a relationship for the other person. I agree with Graham, and it's very sad for your girlfriend. She has done the right thing by taking care of the person who needed her help. The best thing to do is to meet as soon as you can, can and find out where you both are. Honesty and communication are the best. Be kind and good luck. Oh, and that's regular listener Patrice from Sky. Um... Jan says, Ashley's relationship is effectively over. Yes, I feel, <laughs> I feel you are correct. Uh, if he feels like this is now, if he feels like now, oh, he feels like this now, this relationship is never going to survive the highs and lows of a long-term relationship. And Brian and Weymouth says, all your girlfriend's friends will now be calling her to let her know you're going to dump her. Your decision has already been made and announced. Oh, I really hope that doesn't ha I really hope that isn't what's going on here. Uh, that would be awful. But the only good thing is, the only good thing is, Ashley, if that happens, if she's got anything, she will then call you and dump you first. And that saves you the bother. So this may be a win-win for Ashley in Kent. We don't know. Uh, I'm going to send the Levantine Table Classic Baklava selection to Jay in Croydon for his sane and sensible advice. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. My next guest stars as the leading man opposite Rose Matafeo in her new comedy series for BBC One and BBC Three called Starstruck. It's all available to watch on BBC iPlayer now and his name is Nikesh Patel and he should be on the line now. Hello. Good morning, Graham. How are you? I'm very well. All the better for talking to you. And congratulations on this show. I've watched them all. I... I enjoyed it so much. Uh, tell Thank people you. about it if they haven't uh, if they haven't seen it yet. Um, tell us about it. So, Starstruck follows um, a twenty-something uh, New Zealand girl called Jessie living in London. What would what could be described as quite um, a, a chaotic existence, sort of bouncing between uh, uh, several jobs, and we find her at the start of the series being dragged to a New Year's Eve party by her best friend, um, where she has a uh, one night stand with someone. Um, and when they, when she wakes up at his house the next morning, she discovers that he is in fact a movie star called Tom Kapoor. And the show follows over the course of six episodes, the will they, won't they of, of these two people kind of, uh, yeah, are they gonna, are they gonna find each other or not? And it's just gorgeous. It's so kind of warm and comforting. And, and romantic comedy is one of those things. It's it, it seems like it's such a hard thing to get right because we mm. see see so many bad romantic comedies where it's just cringe making. And this is lovely. Um, I'm yeah. I, I, the, the scripts. Did you get all the scripts at the same time? Or I, 
I did, yeah. So I, I, you know, I was, I was very aware of how good the writing was, really, and and I think that's what that's what sells it. Um, because you're right. I, I think as a as a viewer, if you're not if you're not rooting for these two people with all their, you know, the 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 show's very um, conscious, I guess, of the of the tropes of this kind of genre, and I think and I think has a lot of fun with playing with them and with subverting them. But I think if you're not rooting for these two people to get together, and I was reading reading the script, and then I was like, oh, okay, now I now I have to play one side of that, and um, luckily I guess they're opposite opposite Rose, who's brilliant. And, and of course you get to play a film star which is a lovely thing always fun yeah i like the character breakdown film star yes i'll do that yeah <laughs> yeah yep, i'll play a film star uh, did you have did you have those um kind of chemistry readings with rose beforehand or uh yes and in in true sort of lockdown spirit <laughs> the, the first time we chemistry read was on zoom um, I'm looking at the spot on my bookshelf where I set my laptop, and they're like, "Right, so you're gonna you're gonna collect, connect, and uh, Rose is gonna be on the call, and a couple of the other producers." And and it was one of those like crossing your fingers and hoping to God the connection was gonna hold out. My flatmate wasn't gonna hog the broadband. And yeah, that's that's the first time that's the first time we met. And then um, yeah, uh, after that we got to do a a socially distanced uh, recall audition. Um, Again, it was kind of this brave new world of, hi, lovely to meet you. Okay, this is the distance we've got to stay apart. Should we try this scene now? Um, but, but yeah, it was an interesting uh, process. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very glad it paid off. And is this, was this your first time playing, you know, a proper leading man? Where you're kind of, you're nothing else. You're not, a, you know, you're not another thing. You're, you're the love interest. Yeah, I mean, I, I did, uh, I did, uh, and the American um, sort of, Reimagining, if you like, of, of four weddings and a funeral, um, a couple of years ago. Oh, the Mindy Carling, so, the Mindy Carling. That's right. One, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, not my, I suppose, not my first time, but I guess um, you know, each each project you come to and you 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 look to find something different. And I, I suppose what what they both have in common is they're made by people who have a real love for the genre. And in and in Rose's case, being front and center as as not only a writer as a performer, it's kind of fans of her stand-up will really recognise it. It's really shot through with, with her voice and, and, and her humour. So No, I felt um, I felt a fool because I didn't know Rose Matafeo until I interviewed oh, her. Graham. On, I know I inter- now you do. I know. I interviewed her on this yeah. show and I saw, because uh, she was promoting her stand-up special and it was it's, so good. I was, it's called Horn Dog. It's great for yeah, anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah, yeah, it was just great. So when this yeah. came along, uh, before I knew you were coming on the show, I, I watched it all already because I'm, I'm, mm. I'm a fan now. I'm a fan. Well, um, so a case of art not quite imitating life. I was a Rose Matafeo fan before getting cast in the show Starstruck. Um, which I think she finds deeply uncool because uh, <laughs> you know she'd much rather uh, I was sort of uh, uh, more aloof. But now I, you know, I've been I've been to see her shows and I saw how brilliant she was. So when when this when these when this audition came along, even before reading it, I knew it was going to be good. And we should give a shout out a great cameo from Mini Driver in this. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the uh, the awesome Mini Driver. I mean, she was so much fun. Uh, on on set and and I think you know uh, I won't spoil anything but as soon as you get to her episode you're like oh okay that's that's what they call an impact part oh good oh good <laughs> industry speak there yeah. yeah yeah it's an impact part yeah there are no yeah. <laughs> impact yeah. well it certainly is when Mini Driver plays it it's an impact part by the way just a very shallow question where was that is that restaurant in in London it looked lovely good question yeah, it was in it was in London. Um, I have a feeling it was East London because Rose very cleverly set um, a lot of the show <laughs> near where she lives. Um, I can't remember exactly where, but yeah, there was this, there was also this giddy thrill of of getting to film in places which you know we weren't allowed to be in because the show's sort of set in a yeah, I suppose a parallel universe where where there's no lockdown, which I think is a is a blessed relief. Um, but yeah, kind of. Uh, I sort of feel we got a test run at you know, but also pretending to be at a party um, before we get to do the real thing. Yeah, about a kind of a silver lining, I guess, of of lockdown in that it must be great for production companies because all these places are just sitting there wanting to be used. Yeah, yeah, bittersweet, but yeah, absolutely. We've got locations that wouldn't wouldn't normally yeah um, 
be but <laughs> there's a separate challenge though which is you've got to try really hard when you're when you're setting your show in a time where you're saying there is no lockdown and then suddenly a member of the public walks past in the background with a mask on you're like cut okay you're gonna... <laughs> Just got to manage that. Maybe point the <laughs> just move the camera this way slightly. What's wrong with them? So Nick, is it true you didn't, uh, Nick, you didn't get involved in uh, in acting really till university? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I sort of uh, I, I, I dipped a toe uh, at school, but not with not with any great confidence. I gave a great I gave a great shark in West Side Story, Graham. Oh, but, beautiful. Um, but know. what what so what was the plan? What were you really going to do? I didn't. I don't. I wasn't sure, to be honest. I, I mean, what were you I, studying in university? I was studying English literature. So there was, you know, there was a kind of, I suppose I was interested in, in stories and the arts and, and kind of nudging that way. But but by the end of my time there, I realised I was spending more time learning lines for school plays than I was revising for my exams. And I thought, hang on, I really don't want to let this go. Um, and luckily, I'd, I had some friends who I was acting with who said, have you thought about applying to drama school? Um and applied, um, got into drama school, and, and that, that was sort of the start of, of, of becoming an actor for me. And look at you now. Because <laughs> uh, the Starstruck was a co-production, wasn't it, between the BBC and was it HBO or somebody? Or Hulu? H- HBO, HBO Max, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. you know, so that's HBO Max in America. Mm. You were in Artemis Fowl. Mm. Uh, you were in the, the Mindy Kaling project. So mm. what's this? Are you doing that thing that British actors are doing now of kind of going and hanging around America and just going, Hello. <laughs> Um, well, funnily enough, Graham, the last time I was in uh, America um, was I was in L.A. in February. Um, I went out and did a trip with a couple of friends. Um, February last year, you can probably recall, was quite a tense time to be anywhere but home. Yes. So because <laughs> no, you kept I thinking, got... are they going to cancel all the flights? Should I leave yeah, today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I, so, um, no, there's no there's no. Uh, conscious plan i think it, i think it's all about following whether where where the good work is and you know if it's if it's coming from here then then great i think i think things have opened up so much in the last few years in terms of what's shooting where and you know a bit like with this show but you, there are there are all kinds of interesting um co-productions happening so i think really um uh, wherever's you know whoever's making good stuff, if I get a chance to be in it, that's that's where I'll go. No, it's true. I watched that uh, the new Michael B. Jordan Tom Clancy film last mm. night, and it's set in America, and it's set in Russia, and it's all filmed in Berlin. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, you yeah. Go. yeah. Um, Kelly is a good question. Uh, will there be a second series of Starstruck, or should it just be left as a perfect capsule of TV loveliness? I can confirm that there will be a follow-up capsule of loveliness. <laughs> oh, um, great! Because, which is not a spoiler. Rose has has, has tweeted it um, in very kind of public fashion. Yeah, we're filming series two at the moment. Oh, you are! Uh, oh, yeah, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, which is you know, it's it's great to to be back and to be that, back with the gang. I'm am I going crazy? That seems like a really fast turnaround to be filming season two. Did was it commissioned as as a, a two lots of whatever? It it was yeah. It, it um that that's my understanding. So um yeah, we were always gonna come back and all I can say, Graham, is it's really nice that people enjoyed the first series because if they didn't, it'd be um <laughs> slightly slightly tougher work. But... <laughs> Getting up in the morning going, oh, no, people are going to hate me more. (laughs) Yeah. Thankfully, um, people have been saying really lovely things about it, which is, you know, uh, when you you set out to to kind of come back to something, there's always a case of, right, we've got to find this fresh and there's a new story and new challenges. But but yeah, against the backdrop of generally people saying really nice things, um, it always helps. And is Rose following the Ricky Gervais school of filming and just doing it all in East London again, or or, or is it spread uh, its wings? I think I think there's I think there's a bit more I think there's a bit more spread. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Regent was, Street. <laughs> there were, yeah, no, I was I was sort of taking notes of going. Oh, how interesting! So this um this location is round the corner from where you live. Uh-huh. Okay, I see how this works. <laughs> well, I don't blame her. I mean, if you're in no, charge, you might as well make it easy for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We wrap at seven. I'm home by five past. It's all yeah. good. 
Hey, Poppy, but look at this. Popping home for lunch. Yeah. yeah. Well, this interview's over, and now you're home already. Uh, so it's yeah, all exactly. so it's all good. It's all good. Uh, Nikesh Patel, thank you very much for chatting to us. Starstruck. The whole thing is available to watch now on BBC iPlayer. We look forward to season two. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thanks a lot, Graham. Bye bye. Oh, cheers. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. I feel a bit bad. I think we should have thought this through before paying teenage dirtbag before I introduced Catherine Kelly. But there you go. It's oh, hap- I wish. It's happened now. It's happened now. Uh, welcome into the studio, Catherine Kelly. Hi. Nice to be here in the flesh. I know. It's honestly really it's nice. lovely to see you. You too. With your bright hair. You've Ooh. gone. You've gone. You've gone pink. I've gone pink. I actually have the freedom to choose what I want to do with my own hair at the moment, which is a luxury for me. <laughs> I usually just move from one person telling me to have it one way and then the next another. So, yes, I've, I went pink. Do you know, a lot of people who go pink, their hair tends to look a little dry. <laughs> and yours doesn't. <laughs> yours, yours has a nice hair texture to it. It's lovely. Well, my hair's been coloured that many times. I think me, of a, out of all people, should know how to look after coloured hair. It's, um, yeah, it's an art of its own. Uh, listen, <laughs> uh, I was telling you off air, I'll tell you now again, uh, innocent, innocent. Uh, the whole thing strips across uh, ITV from Monday. Yeah. Uh, it is so good. I've only seen episode one, but yeah. uh, but I've been looking in the papers and they're saying, oh, actually, the the, the ending is great. It's all good. So explain it to oh, people. Oh, great. Explain the premise. Well, it's, I suppose I should say that it's Chris Lang who um, wrote it along with Matt Arledge. And of course, Chris wrote Unforgotten. Yeah. The brilliant Unforgotten. Um, yeah, so it starts on Monday night, nine o'clock. As you say, it's stripped across four nights. Um at the top of the show, you meet my character, Sally Wright. And um, I'm not spoiling it by telling you that you very quickly see that she has served five years in prison for a crime that she didn't commit. So she's she's given back her freedom and she goes back to the town that she's from. She was born and bred. And um, even though the jury have have delivered this innocent verdict, you see that it's just not enough. She's been tried by the press and as we know nowadays village gossip isn't just village gossip it it mud sticks it and and that that social media it's traveled to thousands of people and and there were these salacious stories at the time that were never part of the trial but but the the boy um who was murdered was a student of hers and um of course now we need to find out who did kill him if it wasn't sally but as i say her story is is more of yes this misrepresentation and and you know when the finger's been pointed what what is enough to to remove that stigma you know and, yeah yeah there's also the double thing of that her husband i was going to say your husband but that'd be that'd be inappropriate because you're an actor <laughs> <laughs> not your husband uh, her husband uh, has they've divorced and he's now engaged to somebody else yeah well you know she's been a in prison for five years and she comes back and she wants her life back but of course things have moved on drastically in that time and yes her, her husband has met someone else and they're going to get married um she wants her job back as a teacher but um they don't want to accept her back because obviously it's it's quite hard work having a teacher with yes. those kind of rumors yes. in the school so it's a, <laughs> yeah it's a difficult um it's a very difficult time for and as an actor how do you approach that because obviously you know most of us you mean God forbid any of us were in that situation. But yeah. most of us, if we got out of prison, we would not go back to the town. We would run mm. for the hills. We'd start a new life. So as an actor, how do you, you know, get to that place where you understand a woman who wants to actually have her old life back? Well, that's a really good point. That's really why I wanted to play the character, because um, she felt really real to me. I mean, that there is a strength that for that very reason that she she wants to go back to the village and that takes that takes courage you know and she really she didn't do anything wrong and she thinks that's her right but then you know she does kind of she's traumatized as you would be by those years in prison so she carries all that with her and so she does take the slings and arrows to a certain extent as well so it's a yeah that the physical tension that that would set up in somebody is something that I really wanted to explore and and you don't I haven't seen that for a while in a in a heroine as such so 
Yeah, exactly that. It's it's a lot. Mm. And on top of the great twisty turny yes. who really did it, yep. it is set in the most stunning scenery. Yes. Uh, the Lake District. Yeah. There's a, there's a gorgeous bit just when you're coming out of prison and it's real kind of, it's a lovely sort of freedom moment yeah. when you just climb up that bank and you're looking down at one of the lakes. It's yes. Just, oh, it's gorgeous. Well, we filmed quite a lot of it in Wicklow in the south of Ireland. Oh, really? Yeah, which is a very good match. That The bit that you're talking about was the Lake District. So oh, okay. we did do most of the exteriors in the Lake District after we'd shot in Ireland. But what was interesting was because we, we filmed at the end of... We got delayed because of COVID and then we shot at the end of 2020. And... Um, and we sort of chased the lockdowns around. So when we were in Ireland, we went into lockdown. So there's all those scenes that we shot there. Um, and we thought, well, if it wasn't for doing the show, we wouldn't be allowed to be here. You know, it's, it's stay at home. And it was the same in, in the Lake District. I thought, yeah, there was nobody there apart from the people that lived there. So yeah. being outside and breathing in that freedom when the when our nation is in lockdown. I mean, it, it didn't take much acting you to know, really it's also relish that, thing, that moment. Yeah, it's also... I was talking to Nikesh Patel earlier and he was... You were talking about how it's awful but kind of great that film companies get access to these places well, that wouldn't normally be available yeah, or you'd well, normally was, have loads of extras and was, loads of people walking around yeah it was it was problematic for lots of reasons one of them sometimes um i remember one of the first scenes is it's sally's on her way back um uh, you know, for the first time in the village with her friend, she's driving her and it was supposed to be really crowded streets and people staring at her and we didn't have anybody. <laughs> we had no one. <laughs> so, yes, there were there were pros and cons to that, for sure. Oh, so it is... So, and where... But the, the house, is that in... The house that you stay in, your friend's house, yeah. is that in Ireland? Yeah, that's in Wicklow. <gasps> yeah, isn't it stunning? So my dad's Irish, so I, I've spent a lot of time in, in Ireland, but not not that part. I stayed in Dunleary. Oh, yeah. Um, which is stunning. Lovely. And then, yeah, we kept crossing the border to County Wicklow and I want to go back when, you know, when the pubs are open and we're allowed to... So presumably, that, is that house and Airbnb or something? I don't know. No, I think we I think we kicked them out. I think they volunteered. I think it's a like um, their country retreat. You know, we they'd kind of um, abandoned it yeah. for I a mean, while. People, people listening to this <laughs> were thinking, why is he talking about the house? Wait till you see the show. I know. Those windows. I know. Oh, so gorgeous. Beautiful. Gath and Gully stars in series two of Innocence. Starts Monday at nine on ITV. But it's series two, but it's a standalone. Totally self-contained, yeah. yeah, yeah. The only thing that's the same is the title and the <laughs> premise that the, the lead character is indeed innocent, yeah. But yeah. you can see why they did it, because the first Innocent was a huge hit for ITV last year, wasn't it? Yeah, or it really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I've lost track of time as well now yeah. with everything that's happened. In the past, yeah. 2018. 2018, it was two years yeah, ago. Yeah, wow, yes. So Lee Ingleby, yes, was the main character in that. So I, I did Criminal with him for Netflix. So actually, when I was offered this job, I was with Lee every day at that point. So, yeah, I actually didn't watch it. I just kind of asked him lots of questions and decided yeah. that, yeah, I definitely wanted to do it. Uh, well, it's such a good script. I mean, I, unless something terrible happens after episode one, but episode one is a great first episode. Yeah. And, the, and the next on Innocent makes you think, ooh, that looks really good. Yeah, um, great. Now, what's interesting about you, I think, is that you, you know, you found fame in a soap in Corrie mm -hmm. and that kind of, you know, introduced you to the world, everyone kind of loves you. And that happens to lots of actors mm. where they become incredibly loved in a soap yeah. and they go, yay, everyone knows me, I'll leave. <laughs> And then we never see them again. Uh, what choices did you make that have made this happen? How what, how did you navigate? Did you yeah. did you watch other people step out of soapland and disappear? Or kind of thing. Okay, I whatever they're doing, I mustn't do that. No, I think I did. So it was ten years ago, you know, now since I left Coronation Street. Wow. Well, see, you've done so much since. I'm, I would have thought it was even longer. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. Okay, because I was like, wow, it's ten years. I did. I did like five years of mainly theatre before I went into, into Coronation Street. So even when I and then when I arrived at Coronation Street, I, I was only signed up for like twelve episodes or something. It was a, and I kind of did it because I'd, we'd grown up watching it. You know, it was a really um, firm family favourite show. Yeah. And I just I'd been at the RSC and I remember my nan saying. Um, Ah, Kate's at the RAC, you know. <laughs> I'm going to have to do something that, like, pleases the family, you know. And, and this, this part came along and she was a real baddie and I just thought, yeah, really, really fancy that. And I love quick, short jobs because I love, I love the variety and playing yeah. lots of different characters. And so... The five years was, was not intended, really. It was just that that character was just so fantastic and 
you know, you sort of sign up for another six months and say, we're going to do this. And then you sign up for another six months. And then, and it just got better. I mean, her, her, the character was just unrecognisable from start to finish. And then when I was there, it was 2010, it was the 50th. And I thought, I'm in the longest running TV show in the world. It was just an amazing time to, to be there. Yeah. But um, I felt, you know, we'd done everything we could do with the character and I, I never felt like I was going to stay, you know. I'm yeah. not from Manchester and it kind of didn't work for me, you know, on a private level either, you know. Yeah. I, I love London and, you know, I want to get back there. So that was it. And then and then really, um, I think you just need good people in the business to kind of see that you've got all those, you know, different colours running in you and that you can play lots of different things because ITV you know my bosses at the time they gave me my next job which was Mr Selfridge and I was playing you know the the most upper class character in the show yeah. completely RP accent and I think really you know every other character has sort of fallen in between and it kind of blazed away there for, for me to kind of not be put in a box yeah. I think I think it's hard for me to say really because I just kind of take every job as it as it comes and oh, that's every script I, as it I, comes I don't really have a game it, you've plan. done it so successfully I just oh. thought you must have a strategy you oh, must have a no, plan no no and I mean I've taken quite a bit of time off I mean I've had two children in that time and I took two you know I took a year off yeah. with each because I really needed the break although <laughs> we know that having a child is not a break but um, so yeah it's kind of you to say that because it's yeah, it's probably good to take stock of like a body of work from from time to time. And yeah, I, I have been really lucky with all the different characters I've played. And, and I love all the genres as well. It's not just TV. I mean, I was about to go back on stage last year and then everything happened. And um, because it's been five years since I've done I like that. The way we, and, I like the way we talk about it. And then everything happened. Everything happened. <laughs> yeah, we don't even need to give it a title like, anymore, uh, do we? Yeah, the, and then there was the thing. The and, thing yeah, that changed yeah, yeah. the world. Uh, yeah. So when theatre reopens, are you about to go back I in? I hope so. No, I mean, the thing oh, the that's thing happened you... now is that, you know, everything that should have been on in the last year has to be, has to be on. So, no, I think it'll be even longer, but... I love it all, yeah, radio, film, everything. Well, so. our people are going to love Innocent. It starts Monday night at nine. It's stripped over four nights, yeah. so it's it's done. It's proper binge. I, it's, it's yeah. my kind of TV. No, I'm with you. <laughs> Apparently there's a backlash to binge, but I think madness. You know, oh, yeah. no, no, I love it. Yeah, I want it now. I want me it now. Too. Yeah. Me too, me too. I can't remember what's happened from one week to the next, to be no, honest. No, that's happened to me now. When I watch the next one the next night and they do the previously, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. Oh, yeah, I mean, thanks that could, for the reminder. It could be wine. It could be wine, but I really... Same with me. I don't remember what happened. Uh, Kat and Kelly, a joy to see you. Thank you, you very too. much for coming in to see us. Thank Good you. luck with the listen. Still to come, Aaron Pierre joins me live in the studio to chat about the brand-new Amazon Prime series, The Underground Railroad. But first... Julie Hesman-Holsch fills us in on her brand new BBC crime drama, The Pact. Hello, Julie Hesman-Holsch. Good morning, Graham. How are you doing? I'm so much better for talking to you. How lovely to hear your voice. Aww. Feels, feels, like, feels like old times. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? We go back, don't we? Oh, we do, we do. Um, how are you, my dear? I'm really well, thanks, Graham. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at the moment just about to go back into theatre. Um, like the second the the theatre's opened the doors, I'm taking uh, the little one-woman show that my husband wrote for me a few years back, um, the greatest play in the history of the world. That's the title of it. And we're taking it on the road. So I've been rehearsing it in Hull this week and filming it, and then I'm opening in Scarborough on Tuesday, and the pact starts on telly tomorrow night. So I'm having one of those whirlwind times, you know, where it's just like feast of famine, nothing yeah. for months and months. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you, are, you are the busiest woman in the world. Uh, okay, look, the pact, it's such a great hooky premise for a show. Uh, tell the listeners uh, who you play and this, uh, about this group of four women who make the pact. Oh, it's really good, actually. I think people are going to really, really like it. It's, um, so, as you say, it's a six-part drama, BBC by Pete Mattai. And I know Pete because he wrote an episode of Doctor Who that I'd done a couple of years back. And uh, and it is about these women who work together in a brewery in Wales and something happens. Something bad happens. It's like a drunken prank that goes wrong and they form this pact together a pact of secrecy and as with all secrets and lies graham it becomes an absolute nightmare for them and, and uh, a horrible horrible sort of uh, 
few weeks uh, they have to endure after that of betrayal and uh, lies and redemption and forgiveness. And it's just a really good pot boiler. I think people are going to love it. Pete said, actually, that at the end of episode three, there's like a real goggle watch moment. And I think that's absolutely true. I love that that's become like part of our parlance now. That's and it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you see them jumping out of their sofa. No! Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it and there's loads of twists and turns in it when I was reading it in the first instant I was like I couldn't stop reading it it's great it's great and then, you know when it's got like four really ordinary women at the centre of it who are flawed I mean it's so good to see a drama that has you know women at the centre of it just making mistakes and messing things up and trying to get things right and it's, it's just a really lovely thing it's just a I think it's just a really good thriller for a Monday night and well it's now here's the thing so explain this to me. So it's on Monday night and it's on Tuesday night. And I was thinking, oh, I see it's stripped across the week. But it's not. It's Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> it's Monday, Tuesday, and it's also and, and then Monday, Tuesday, the week after. So you watch it in sort of like Oh, and then Monday, Tuesday, the week after. Okay. So I think so, I think so, but it's also on iPlayer. It'll be all so think... on the iPlayer, which is really how we watch all our telly anyway. Why pretend? <laughs> exactly. Except my mum, who will be watching it as it comes out. So I need to get these dates absolutely fixed so that she knows what she's doing for sure. And is our yeah. is this our first is this our first post pandemic uh thriller? Um I don't know. I didn't. Did Line of Duty get made during the pandemic? Oh, I'm no, not no. Sure, but actually. yes, it, 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 and they referenced dates during the pandemic, but they never referenced oh. it. But you have a character it, called COVID Mandy, don't you? Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, it is, it is placed. I mean, we filmed it, at, you know, right in the heart of the pandemic. Yeah. And it was incredibly challenging. I mean, you know, it was it was brilliant because it just shows how quickly you can adapt to things. I mean, we were all wearing masks right up until the take. So in rehearsals, we were masked. And then, you know, sometimes you were just like, oh, that's what you look like. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Kept it fresh, for sure, you know. And we were being tested all the time and, and socially distanced. So it was a very different experience from, from the normal experience of making a TV drama. You know, we had to live separately. We couldn't socialise. We all got to know our drivers very well. We're all best mates with our drivers now. So it's like, it's great. <laughs> Those people, the only people that we spent any real time with, but um, but yes, but the drama is set beyond it, which of course we didn't know what what that would look like when we were filming it. But it is set post pandemic, but it's only referenced to very obliquely, really. You know, there's there's no social distancing, there's no hand sanitizing going on, although. I, do encourage people to still do that despite yes. it not being on your screen. Especially, especially in a brewery. Especially in a brewery. Yeah, and brewery. tell me this. So your character, your character Nancy, in the first, in the episode I've seen, the first episode, she seems sort of the most together. Uh, I'm guessing that's not how it remains throughout the, the six <laughs> hours. Well, we'll have to wait and see. It's absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Doing publicity for a show like this before it's been aired is absolutely terrifying because you're so scared of saying anything that's going to like give the game away. But yes, on the surface, she is kind of the mum of the group. She's the, the kindly auntie. Yeah. Uh, but with all of them, there is more to them than meets the eye. And, and in episode one, it becomes really clear that something is not right at home. So Aid Esmond... Uh, Aid Edmondson, not Hesmond Health. <laughs> Edmondson <laughs> plays my husband in it, and we and each episode sort of like centres on one of us, and you get to know a little bit more of the backstory and about what's really going on behind the scenes for them. And and Aid took the job, he said, because actually, even though it, it isn't a massive part on paper, we got to make this little microfilm almost about a marriage, about the disintegration of a marriage, yeah. and that comes later in the series. So that was really really fun to do as well. Now here's a thing because it's set in wales and it and it it is overtly set in wales was there a discussion that you would all be welsh women because i'm sure you could do a welsh accent standing on your head (laughs) i really couldn't do a welsh accent standing on my head it's always really really difficult with things like that because um I think that it would have been good if, if I was Welsh. I mean, there's lots and lots of Welsh actors in it. Um, but they decided, they didn't even give me the opportunity to do that. They were just like, no, no, just just be yourself. Just have your own accent and, and we'll create a backstory that meant that you moved to Wales with your husband, Aid Edmondson, also not Welsh, um, many, many years ago. So, but uh, And of course, Laura Fraser, who's the, the lead in it, is Scottish. What then pretty much everybody else is Welsh. I think the only person who does a Welsh accent who isn't Welsh is Eddie Moisan. 
Um, and he does a great job because obviously he's just like, you know, proper in the edit. So. He really <laughs> is. No, when he crops up, you're thinking, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I felt like that too. Yeah, yeah. The cast, the cast, there's quite a lot of cast already in place when they sent it to me. And I was a bit like, ooh, <laughs> ooh this feels, this feels fancy. <laughs> Yeah, so that so that's on for the next three weeks. The tour, this is the greatest play in the world, which starts in Scarborough. Was it next Tuesday or this Tuesday? This Tuesday, yeah, this Tuesday. Oh, coming, this Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know. I know. Yeah. No messing about. But and you've I've done got, it. You've done it before, right? Yeah, I've done it before, and it's really it's been always a studio show. So I did it in Edinburgh at the at the um, Travis, and I did it at the Trafalgar Studios in London at the Exchange in Manchester. But now we're doing it in big, big auditoriums so that people can come and be socially distanced. So so suddenly it's gone from this tiny, intimate little sort of studio play where I was like borrowing people's shoes to play the different characters in it to be doing it sort of Nottingham Playhouse and uh, and. Liverpool, you know, this huge 700-seat auditorium. So it's become a very, very different thing. We've had to make it a bit more epic, really. Wow. Um, and, yeah, no and, wearing, and no wearing stranger's shoes, I imagine. No, no, I can't. I can't go near them. It's, it's a nightmare. It's like, you know, my instinct is just to be there amongst them. But no, no, I've got to keep a, a, a safe two metres. But but it's, it's just given it, a, it's, it's kept it fresh, Graham, which is absolutely great. But it's terrifying. And how, lo- how long is it? T- tell us, where, how long is the tour going on for? Well, it's right through May and June. Uh, all being well. There's also a live stream of it, obviously, because we don't know what's going to happen. And, and obviously, not everybody's going to be uh, able to go to the theatres. It's a northern tour. The further south we go is Nottingham, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's all through May and June. And um, and it's a really beautiful thing. And we'd love people to come to it because it is, even though it predates the pandemic completely, it seems to me that the themes of it are absolutely right for now because it's about love and loss and loneliness and kind of reaching out across the divide and also about what it all means at the end of it all. You know, what mark we've left on the earth. It's it's very worn. Somebody once said that it was like being hooked for 70 minutes. So if you've been starved of hugs, it might be the thing for you. But I don't want that to put people off because I think like you, I think like me, Graham, you'd be like, I don't want to be hugged for 70 minutes. That's no. not my idea. <laughs> yeah, a, a nice tap on the shoulder. That'll do. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, yes. I've, a friendly yeah. elbow bump. Yeah. Me. Um, but you know what I think is great about this, uh, Julie, is that the world is coming back but in a way things have improved a little bit because i think what's going to be great is that theater will stream more so that people who don't have access to stuff can sit at home and watch it it's not as good and it's not the same but you get a flavor of things uh from the same i was talking to russell tovey last weekend about uh, galleries you know a lot of online exhibitions and stuff and it's good i think it's a perk that we've got from it's a kind of gift we've been given from this terrible year I think you're absolutely right. And there's, you know, a lot of people with access issues have been campaigning for this stuff for years. I mean, what I would say is that I hope it doesn't take away from funding that's taking live art into smaller, more inaccessible communities. You know, I hope that people aren't going to say, oh, they can live stream it so we don't need to go to that village hall, you know, in the middle of Cornwall or whatever, (laughs) because there's nothing that can take away from the experience of assembly, of being in a room with other people. I was reading a book recently and apparently, this is amazing, when you're sitting in an audience experiencing something together, whether it's theatre or music or whatever, your hearts start to beat in unison. It's It's like a really, really sort of magical thing that happens wow. where people is like yeah and that connection with the people that you're watching something with is quite extraordinary I mean you know I'll be soon back to being really irritated by people rustling the sweets two seats away you know but and coughing yeah I but, wish your uh, I wish your heart would stop <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's lovely, that idea of congregation, that idea of congregation. Tell me this, uh, do, how do people find tickets for The Greatest Play in the World? Do they just Google The Greatest Play in the World and your name comes up? The Greatest Play in the History of the World, yeah, Tara Finney Productions, if, it, if they look on there. It's, I mean, it's all over Twitter and Facebook and everything. Oh, but Tara Finney Productions, and you can live stream it from there as well. We're live streaming from Hull and from Chester as well. So, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So. Uh, but we'd love people to come. Of course, of course, of course. And we remind people, uh, The Pact starts Monday night at 9 o'clock on BBC One. Julie has been watched. Thank you so much for joining us. Good luck on Tuesday night and with thank the rest you. of the tour. Lovely to talk to you. 
and you. Thanks, Graham. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. <laughs> we are welcoming to the studio Aaron Pierre, star of the Underground Railway. Uh, all, is it 11 episodes? Is it 11 episodes or 10? I think it's 10. 10. I thought it was 10, but it says you're 11. But anyway, uh, 10. <laughs> Look, if you watch 10, you'll watch another one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, it's on Amazon and it's it's streaming now. And, I mean, oh, I've only seen uh, the first episode and it's so powerful. And we'll talk more about what Barry Jenkins has done with it. But mm. I guess if people have never come across this book before, if they don't know anything about it, how do you describe it to it, people to it? Yeah, I, w- I would describe it as... You know, we follow the journey of a young woman called Cora um, and we follow her on her journey from a Georgia plantation where we first meet her as the audience. And we follow her on this tremendous journey on her route to basically pursue true liberty and true freedom. And, you know, she crosses many states and comes into contact with many different people who represent different things along her journey. And you're Caesar. You kind of start her journey. Yeah, so you know, you know, where we first meet Caesar is on that Georgia plantation, um, and for me, you know, Caesar is only one of many catalysts for Cora's journey. You know, I, I truly believe that she already has everything she needs within her in order to pursue what she needs to pursue. You know, I think if anything, he contributes only a small flame to what is already a burning flame within her to pursue you know, liberty and freedom, which she does. And what Barry Jenkins has done with this, how aware of that, how aware of that were you when you were making it? Because it looks, it's so sort of painterly looking and then the soundtrack is just fantastic. Yeah. How, did you know all of that when you were doing it? Because in the end, you know, you're just acting in a field. You don't, you don't know what it's going to be of on course. TV. Yeah, I mean, I think um, having been an enormous fan of Barry's work, um, and of James Laxton's work and Nick Brittle's work, you know, I I knew that you know these amazing people would would come together and create something which was, you know, as as truthful and as authentic as we hope the audience receive it to be. Um, but I tried not to think about the enormity of it while I was there because that's <laughs> that would be very <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And what was it like? Because I, I was just, what was it like on set? Because it's so brutal and so harrowing, and you're all mm. actors, and yet the racial divide is real. You know, the white actors are over there, the black actors are over there. How did you break that tension, or did Barry Jenkins try to break that tension, or did, was he was he intent on keeping it kind of horrible? I think what was amazing um, is the way Barry managed the whole thing. And I have to give real thanks to Barry because he ensured that everybody felt safe and supported throughout the whole journey of this process. Um, You know, our mental, spiritual and emotional well-being was at the forefront of his mind at all times. Um, You know, he went to the extent of having a guidance counsellor available for any and anybody at all times on set. And I think, you know, I've said it many times, but I think irrespective of whether you utilize that service or not, you know, it's just nice to know that there is someone there if and when you need to talk you out of that space. And I think, you know, the cast was an international cast. Um, You know, myself from London, you know, Tuso from South Africa, Joel, Australia, William Jackson Harper um, from America. Um, And I think what was amazing is we all came together as a family with the same objective, which was to tell this story as truthfully and as authentically as possible to honour those who really went through it. And were you able to, I mean, I don't mean to be glib, but I mean, were you able to crack jokes? Were you able to kick back? Was this job any fun? Or was it just, was, was it like watching it? Was it like that yeah, harrowing? No, that's, that's a really great question. I think, you know, I think what was what was amazing is the the family aspect that we had because we all had the same objective, like I yeah. said. And, you know, when, when we weren't on set and um, we were away from work, you know, we would have meals, um, you know, we would go to the beach and we, we, would, we would just connect as people. And it was just this feeling throughout the whole process of being held. Everybody was holding one another and supporting one another. And at no point did anyone 
ever feel like there wasn't someone there for them. And I have to say, you know, you're obviously together for a long time because how long does it take to make yeah. 10, possibly 11 hours of television? Of course, yeah. We, we were together for a long time. Um, and every moment was a real blessing for me, yeah. And, you know, when you talk about having a guidance counsellor there, there are probably people listening to this kind of rolling their eyes. Mm. Watch the show. <laughs> when you watch the show, you'll yeah. think, yes, I'm sure there was a guidance yes. counsellor there. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yes, it's, it's dark. But, the, the, but I, th- I think also the other thing that Barry's done is, and that's what I was trying to say earlier, like he's made it beautiful. It's, you must, when you watched it, you must think, oh, I didn't, it's gorgeous to watch. Yeah, I mean, Barry has, um, you know, a particular aesthetic when with his work. Um, and I think something that is really amazing about what he does is he makes you have to look into the character's eyes and he makes you have to really take them in, which may be uncomfortable at times, but I think once that is established, it actually makes the audience really invest in the character and their journeys even more so, we hope. Uh, well, all 10, possibly 11 episodes of the Underground Railroad are now available to watch on Amazon Prime. And it really is, I think it's one of the most remarkable TV shows I've ever seen. Not just the subject matter, but also just the way it's made and the performances. It's really, you, I mean, congratulations to you. What oh, a, thanks, an amazing thing to be part of. So here's, here's the, 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 there were lots of, you know, young British actors uh, out in the world thinking, how did he do that? <laughs> How did he end up in that? Uh, so how how did you end up as the star of this huge Barry Jenkins epic? So what actually happened was I was in a play at the Globe. Just downstairs. Um, yeah, just, yeah, just down the road. And um, basically Barry had visited London in 2018 uh, to see his dear friend Andre Holland play Othello at the Globe. Um, and I happened to also be in that show playing Cassio, who is... Uh, Othello's lieutenant Um, and not long after the show I received um, a direct message on Twitter from Barry (laughs) and he he, can I just say that does not sound very showbiz (laughs) (laughs) and at at first I honestly thought somebody was just playing with my heart you know Um, but it ended up being Barry and you know he just you know showed his love and appreciation for what he'd seen and said you know you know we must connect and collaborate on something and um, then I had my first audition for the Underground Railroad. Wow. And what a great time to you, because we're going to see you in M. Night Shyamalan's uh, next movie. Old. Oh, I've seen the trailer for this. It looks <laughs> Billy Bonkers. Yeah, it's um, that that was that was just a wild experience. You know, I feel I feel really grateful to be working with, you know, the people I'm working with. And, um, you know, both of them are so entirely generous with their experience and their knowledge and that's like gold dust for someone like me at the beginning of my journey in this thing, you know, so, yeah. So now I'm chatting to you here at the top of the tower in London town, but you're not, you you were going to lose you, aren't you? I mean, Lewisham will not be seeing you strolling its streets very soon. You're going to be in America all the time. (laughs) No, it definitely will. I'm I'm such a homebody, Graham. You know, I grew up in, I grew up in West Croydon in South London. Um, You know, I'm in Lewisham at the moment. That's where I currently live. And, I think for me, I'll definitely be spending, you know, extended periods of time in the States, but I'll always return, you know, back to my base here. This is where I feel, you know, where my family and friends are and where I feel, you know, super grounded. You say that now. Um, (laughs) Cut to a year. Have you seen him? No, I haven't seen him in ages. I guess the thing the thing that could keep you here, I guess, if you went back into theatre. But, I mean, do you know what you're doing next? Are you kind of waiting for the Underground Railroad to kind of hit and then kind of go, hello, yes, I am available to be a superstar. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it's been it's been really um, like this. This sort of moment has been really life changing for me. You know, um, just just the sort of, you know, people who are you know interested in collaborating now and um you know, making something happen. It feels, it's a real, a real moment. I'm feeling really thankful. Well, listen, it couldn't be more deserved because um, I, 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 yeah, I'll be really interested to know how people react to this show because it, mm. it's so brutal. It's so difficult. And yet it's so brilliant. It really is an extraordinary thing. And um, what oh. an amazing thing to be a part of it. It's Thank just, you, yeah. man. I appreciate you. Uh, the all episodes. Let's just go with all episodes. We don't know. Oh, it's 10. It's 10. 11. 
11's of yes you can watch you can watch the first episode again at the end if you want uh, there's 10 you watch all 10 episodes of the Underground Railroad uh, they are now available to watch on Amazon Prime uh, Aaron Pierre thank you so much for coming in to see thank us. you for having me oh, take care of yourself sir good luck with everything Thank you so much for joining me for the Graham Norton Radio Show podcast with Waitrose. I'm back on Virgin Radio from 9.30 on Saturday morning. And don't forget, the next episode of the podcast will be out first thing the following Monday. Chat to you then. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Virgin Radio.